Hello, and welcome to CE Speaks. Um, the first case that I would like to talk about today is one that is kind of relatively close to home. Um, I know a lot of people, um, whether you're living up north or in the interior or around here, there's so many small communities. I know there's probably there's probably quite a few people who know about this already and probably would like to get a little bit more information as well as more so meant for you know a lot of people that don't know about it or haven't heard as much about it and want to hear more and yeah so I'll get right into it so um this is the case of Madison Scott um let's get some background information on um Madison here so Madison um, Scott was born April 29th, 1991. Um, Madison had um, disappeared around 2011, so she would have been about 20 years old, I believe, at the time of her disappearance. Um, Madison was, according to her friends and family and a lot of people that knew her around the community, she was a very intelligent hard-working girl and was an apprentice heavy-duty mechanic which was you know pretty impressive for like a girl her age and stuff like that and I know a lot of it's mostly like a lot of men are in this field there's not a whole lot of like females who are in this line of work so it's pretty pretty impressive for her and she's probably a lot better at changing a tire than me I still don't even know how to drive anyway um Madison um was the child to her parents, Eldon Scott and Don Scott. She also had a sister named Georgia and a brother named Ben. Um, Madison was a pretty outdoorsy person. You know, she enjoyed figure skating, dirt biking, horseback riding, a bunch of different team sports. She was just a very outdoorsy, outgoing person. She loved being around with her friends and her family. And everyone who was friends with her or knew her said she was very lovable, very likable, easy to talk to, just a very all-around sweet girl. And, um, yeah, so let's just get right into it. So, um, the case of Madison Scott. So, yes, most people around Northern BC know who she is, have seen the posters, have seen um there's cars that still have stickers you know find Maddie bring Maddie home um Maddie was another name that she did go by um yeah so I just wanted to kind of shed some light on what's going on just for anybody who doesn't know what's happening um she was a 20 year old girl um already went over that sorry um she was from small town of Vanderhoof BC um Fun fact, I actually used to live there for a little bit when I was very, very young. Um, Yeah, so um, Madison, it's been about nine years, nine years, three months since um, she had disappeared on May 28th, 2011. Um, After attending a birthday party down at Hogsback Lake near Vanderhoof, um, Madison had wanted to camp out at the lake after the party um, that she had attended. Um, Madison was supposed to have a friend with her um, who was supposed to go camping with her. And um, this friend, for whatever reason, um, decided to take off during the night without Madison. Um, There were still other people kind of at the party, still kind of like winding down, you know, just enjoying the rest of the evening. And yeah, so... There were others who had not left yet, and it wasn't until about 3, 4 a.m., you know, kind of about this time, sun's kind of coming up, you know, people, they're going home. And so um, some say that there were people that had asked um, Madison if she needed a ride home or anything like that. Um, 
whether she had a ride or if someone was going to be staying with her and she just assured them you know she she didn't need a ride home she never left with anyone nobody saw her leave with anybody um because she had planned to stay the night regardless of her friends staying or not and um yeah so around that time that was about the last time people had reported seeing her talk to anybody or was around anyone and so you know the party is starting to wind down a little bit there and yeah so um Madison uh was not seeing anybody at the time of her disappearance she was not in a relationship with anybody and I know usually that's the first thing a lot of people kind of um stray to when it comes to missing especially missing women because a lot of a lot of the cases um it ends up being you know oh the boyfriend did it the husband did it the ex did it you know things of that nature and so yeah it kind of strays away from the typical the lover did it kind of thing um there was a guy she was interested in however um this guy was also at the party but um had previously told Madison that he um had only wanted to be friends and according to Madison's mother um Madison was a little upset about it you know as any any young girl would be you know you get your hopes up you you find somebody that you kind of have a crush on I mean I'm pretty sure we've all been in that position unfortunately I've been in that position many times not recently but um yeah so she was you know just a little upset but nothing that you know screamed you know red flag like something was gonna happen anything like that it was just you know just a typical kind of kind of typical teenage heartbreak kind of thing and um yeah so she was a little upset but nothing alarming and um nobody knows really whether this man was investigated or not um I could not find any information on who this man was there's no name or anything like that um but there was another boy and um this boy was actually interested in Maddie but um according to um Dawn Maddie's mother um the feeling wasn't exactly mutual and this person um to Don seemed a little upset that his feelings towards Maddie were not being reciprocated and um yeah so uh ended up Maddie ended up going to um when she was at Hogsback Lake she um she had a 1990 Ford F-150 truck that she had uh driven and taken to Hogsback Lake um there were a few items that she did take to the lake that were left behind, such as her sleeping bag, her tent, toiletries, and um, inside her truck bed, which was really weird, um, there were a lot of things of value that had been left behind that, you know, a lot of people would not, you know, just leave out in the open, such as her camera. She had um, a really expensive camera because I guess she liked doing photography and stuff like that. And um, yeah, they had found her purse in there. Um, everything that, you know, most people would take with them if they were genuinely planning on leaving. Um, yeah, there were a few things that were not found in her vehicle or in the tent that she was um, staying in and that was her cell phone and the keys to her truck which is really weird because you know why would you leave your purse why would you leave your wallet why would you leave your very expensive camera and only take your keys and your phone but leave the vehicle behind I don't know there's a lot of speculation on this and um we'll definitely get into a little bit more here so um yeah, so um let's see here. The um there was a party and that party that um Maddie was attending was um was a party down at Hogsback Lake and other than um a friend named Jordy, um Maddie was friends with a few other people at the party. Um and since she spent most of her life in Vanderhoof, um Maddie had attended Nichaco Valley Secondary School and that's where she met Jordy uh excuse me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, um, Jordy Bullduck, um, in 2007. Jordy was new to the school, and she and Maddie became really close friends soon after she had arrived, and it was through this friendship, um, 
it had kind of dwindled by the time they had graduated. You know, not a lot of people kind of, even myself, I, I'm lucky. There's a few friends that I've remained friends with um, since starting high school. But there's, you know, it kind of people as they grow older, they kind of drift apart. And that's, it's, it's sad, but it's, it's a pretty normal thing. So it's nothing really concerning. Um, the birthday party was thrown as a yearly event by a man who was present at Hogsback Lake. Um, the party was advertised on, um, on a Facebook event and it was reported that there were around 50 people that attended the event. There's, you know, kind of give or take, no one knows the exact number, but roughly around 50 people. So that's quite a bit of people. Um, Hogsback Lake, um, kind of gives you some information just on, um, the lake here. So, this lake is about 128 acres in size, and it's located about 26 kilometers southeast of Vancouver. Um, this, oh my goodness, my neighbors are very noisy today. Hopefully nobody can hear them in this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, this area was a type of soil. It's mainly a glacial till composed of sand and gravel and clay and has like a basalt I think that's how you pronounce it, basalt bedrock. So there were multiple um, gravel pits um, within the 10 kilometers of Hogsback Lake. Um, Mapes Pit, Sky Pit, and Hogsback Pit. Um, I think I said pick. I meant to say pit, sorry. Um, yeah, the area is patchwork of creeks, lakes, swamps, forests. So it's a really kind of outdoorsy, earthy area there's not a lot of like you know there's not a lot of houses there's not a lot of people around this area it's a very kind of woodsy little atmosphere so yeah so for people who like camping and swimming it's like the perfect place to be um although there's no ranches um or anything with an eyesight of Hogsback Lake um there's numerous kind of privately owned ranches within a kilometer of the lake so not many and I know a lot of people out in this area have a lot of acreage for like horses and cattle and farms and such so you know there's there's more um there's more land than there is properties there so there's not really a whole lot of people out in that area um yeah so even there's I believe they only said that there's about like 10 campsites around Hogsback Lake but it's known to host parties uh, multiple hundreds of people but at the time the only party that had been going on was the party that maddie had been attending at hogsback lake um so maddie had attended the party with her friend um jordy um on may 28th 2011 um she was getting a little tired though and um she decided to kind of hang out in her tent and kind of get in her sleeping bag, get all cozy, because she had planned on staying the night, and, um, a fight had broken out around, um, midnight, and Jordy, who supposedly was injured, drunk, and just kind of felt compelled to leave with her new boyfriend, according to Jody, um, Jordy, sorry, even though she had tried to convince Maddie to leave, Maddie was already kind of dead set on camping. And I mean, like I had explained before, Maddie was a pretty outdoorsy person. She'd been outside before. She's been camping loads of times. She knew what she was doing. So Jordy just kind of decided just to leave her there. And I mean, like at the time, you don't really think about it because it's, you know, like, you know, your friend is very good with, you know, sports and like outdoorsy kind of thing. She's always outside, always active. So, you know, you don't really think anything of it. And yeah, so um, Maddie had um, tried to be convinced to leave the party and she didn't want to. So she decided to stay there. Um, Jordy came back to the campsite with her boyfriend about 830 in the morning, apparently to go um, get um Jordy's clothes and her sleeping bag that apparently she had left behind with Maddie um before Jordy had to go to work that day. Um Jordy found Maddie's tent unzipped with her sleeping bags and her stuff moved to the side and Jordy said that she didn't see Maddie anywhere and never even reported this to anybody. Um and apparently um there were some cell phone records here so um Maddie and Dawn were texting apparently at 11.30 p.m. the night before 
And um, the last activity on her phone was about 12.30 a.m. on Saturday, May 28th, 2011, when, according to Dawn, there was an incoming call from a guy that they knew, and the cell phone records um, were retrieved by the RCMP, including um, tower pings, and they had, um, in air quotes, everything that they needed, and there was no record of any incoming cell activity after this time, um... So the the timeline's a little weird because she was the only one there after a certain time and not a lot of people knew that she had been planning on staying there because not a lot of people did stay there. According to um, Jordi, most of the people had packed up and were ready to head home for the night and they were tired. Some of them had work the next morning and so... Nobody really thought anything of it. So yeah, after um, Maddie had received this incoming call, according to Dawn, um, from that guy that she said that they knew, um, they didn't have any kind of, you know, they didn't have any suspicious feeling that anything had happened to her. And it was kind of weird because, like, you'd think that, like, if you see your friend's tent that you know is camping there all of her stuff is there but you don't see her anywhere in sight that you wouldn't you know be kind of a little alarmed I know me but it might just be me I'm a little kind of paranoid and like overprotective and if I like you know if I were to go to a campsite where my friend is supposedly camping you'd think that like if they weren't there and they weren't answering you that you know you might be a little worried because you know you're out in the woods you know what if there was a bear what if something happened like it's it's just a little kind of strange and um yeah so um Maddie was then reported missing to the RCMP shortly after noon on Sunday so it was a day after um her parents were understanding of her independence, but concerned that they hadn't heard from her in almost two days. And so they went to go check on her, and that's when they found her tent collapsed. And her pickup truck had been locked and abandoned. Um, they asked a friend who was camping nearby whether they saw Maddie or not. And apparently to them, they had not seen her. And that's when Dawn called the RCMP soon after arriving at Hogsback Lake. And that's when she had reported the um, disappearance. Um, a second party apparently had occurred the evening of Saturday, May 28th. And that was over twice the size of the party where Maddie had um, attended and disappeared. Um, Maddie's sister was at the second party but didn't see Maddie there. I'm assuming she probably went to this party to see if maybe anybody had saw her or if Maddie was still kind of hanging around or what was going on. Um, because she was underage and didn't want to get in trouble, um, she didn't really like stick around for long. And um, Maddie's tent had then been flattened at the second party and the person who flattened it was identified and questioned by RCMP, though nothing was reported to the public in in regards to any suspicious motives or any, like, you know, anything that would, you know, require further investigation or, you know, kind of anything along those lines. They didn't feel as though this person had anything to do with it, but it's like, why would you go ahead and flatten her tent? Like, it's just a little weird to me. Um... The investigation um, following her disappearance um, had used more um, investigative tools than any other case in BC history. Um, police claimed to have interviewed everybody who had attended that party the night of May 27th, 2011, and reported that they had apparently no reason to believe that anybody at that party had been responsible for her disappearance. The police also reported that everyone was cooperative, taking polygraph tests, even though um, if you're a true crime nerd like me, you'll know that um, polygraph tests, um, they're not always accurate and they not, they're not always, you know, the best resource for finding out whether somebody is lying to you or not. I mean, they definitely help. But you cannot base a case off of a polygraph test alone. Not, It just doesn't work out all the time. You know, people can get jumpy for no reason. I know even me, like, 
even if I'm doing something like, say, going to the grocery store, sometimes my heart rate just kind of just goes up. I get nervous. I get anxiety around being around people. So, you know, like, but even then, none of the polygraph tests had come back where they had suspected anybody of, you know, having anything to do with it or anybody knowing more than they were letting on. And so, um, Jordy Bulldog reported that she took the test numerous times and that at least one of those times she claimed that they told her she aced it. One thing of note about polygraph tests is that in Canada, the results of polygraph tests are not actually admissible as evidence in criminal courts. So it leaves kind of the question as to what the RCMP actually were using polygraphs for. I mean, it's possible that the tests were put out to put pressure on subjects being questioned. So, you know, like kind of like, hey, if you don't like kind of, would you rather us tell us or would you rather, you know, you tell us what's going on rather than it turn into a we know you did it kind of thing. So it kind of, you know, puts a little bit of pressure on people, you know, attending the party that, you know, this is a very serious matter in regards to, you know, a person has gone missing and their family is clearly very worried and, you know, as they should be. Um, the police collected and examined all of Maddie's belongings from the campsite, including her truck, her sleeping bag, pillow. You know, the police also collected Jordy's sleeping bag, her pillow and pillowcase, though Jordy had collected them on the Saturday morning after the party. Um, Jordy had washed her pillowcase, but not her sleeping bag. The police found blood in Jordy's sleeping bag, which was determined to be from Jordy's ankle, which I had mentioned earlier, which is part of the reason why Jordy had left, because there was a fight that broke out, and apparently um, Jordy had gotten injured. Not too sure if she was the one who started the fight or what was going on, but um, she was cleared after reporting that it came from when she was on a school trip from years before, but, you know, who knows. Um... The Scott family had also um, hired a private investigator who did their own interview with Jordy. Um, they reported back to the Scots that Jordy kept asking to have her favorite pillow back, which was kind of weird because, you know, if your friend has gone missing, I would let them have anything that they need, even if they thought it was evidence, even if they thought that I did it, if it meant that there could be a possibility of finding out where my friend went, like, what kind of friend, you know, is like more concerned about their personal belongings than the safety of the person that is clearly missing and their family is very worried? It's just weird to me. Um, Sergeant Floyd of the RCMP reported, um, we haven't identified anyone that would have a grudge or would have any reason to cause harm to Madison or cause Madison's disappearance. The RCMP reported that there was no sign of a struggle and RCMP believed that foul play is involved, but don't know exactly what happened. This is like this story just is such a weird thing to me. And the moment I heard about it, I just I was so interested in finding out what happened because it's so close to home and it's just it's scary. This young girl is just vanished and nobody knows anything. And they've, they've had a search um, effort that, you know, it's still, you know, there's still the family. I believe the family still kind of, you know, probably takes looks every now and then. But it's just, I feel like it would be really heartbreaking just going out knowing that there's been no, no recovery of anything that would have any clues as to what might have happened to her nobody has come forth with any information it's just i can't even begin to imagine how her family is feeling even to this day nobody knows anything so let's get into the search effort for maddie here so um the area around hogsback lake has been searched extensively including the lake creeks fields, swamps, and forests surrounding the lake. Hogsback Lake is about 128 acres, as I mentioned, in size and about 20 feet or 22 feet deep um, at its depth. And um, with clear water, there's maybe about 10 feet of visibility. So that still leaves about 12, 12 plus feet of 
water that's not exactly visible and this area has been searched on foot on quad horseback helicopter they've used forward um, looking infrared they've used divers cadaver dogs boats cars trucks and um there was extremely extensive research um in the initial days of the disappearance because we all know as well like you know if you're paying attention to any kind of crime um the first 24 hours of a person's disappearance are the most important they're the crucial like if you don't as the days go on like as the hours go on like the longer you wait like the less likelihood of you being able to find this person alive and I can't even imagine how the family must feel just kind of knowing that like you know the longer it takes the more chances of are become of you you know looking for a body more than a living person and it's scary and it's heartbreaking and it's just it's just so much and I don't even understand I can't I can't fathom how it would feel if I lost say my sister she went missing or if any of my friends went missing anyway um yeah, there was a particularly extensive search if effort for her in the initial days of her disappearance. And with search crews walking extended lines hand-in-hand, hand, checking at 10 p.m., cadaver dogs and diving teams, like, scouring every inch of the lake that they could possibly find. They had helicopters. Search included, like, they've had infrared cameras looking for her anywhere, and they could not find anything at all. Um... The helicopter search covered an area east to west between Isle Pierre and Fraser Lake because, you know, like just in case anything like went floating down the lake or whatever or, you know, just got like dragged under and they they could not find anything. They used um, side scanning sonars. Um, they they tried just about everything that you could possibly do to help find and locate Maddie and they could not find her. They found nothing um there is a um an awareness effort trying to um well has been organized by Maddie's family and her friends involving mass distribution of posters, bumper stickers, cars, pens, signs, you name it. There's if you drive around up north around Prince George, Vanderhoof, like areas around that, um even today like I still see so many cars with the findmaddie.ca which is a website that her family have helped um create to um bring more awareness to Maddie's case and to hopefully bring her home and find some closure and justice for her family so that's a website too if you want to check it out to um her parents I believe they have some some videos and some interviews and stuff like that too so if you kind of want to get into that a little bit more or even if you by some miraculous chance have any and I mean any information that might help them find Madison go on that website and it's findmaddy.ca f-i-n-d-m-a-d-d-y dot c-a um yeah, so um, the awareness campaign um, is trying to distribute information about who Maddie is, the fact that she's missing, still missing, um, who to contact if you have any information. And um, I don't know if I'm supposed to put this here or not, but I'm just going to put it on here anyway. But um, there is currently an advertised $100,000 reward for anyone sharing information leading to the arrest of whoever took Maddie or what had happened to Maddie. The family and friends of Maddie have put together a yearly poker ride. So if you don't know what that is, a lot of people um, up north will do poker rides. And so basically they they get on horseback. Um, they get on bikes and quads and whatnot. And they ride the trails and stuff like that surrounding lakes and other kind of like areas like that. And so every year they do this poker ride to help raise awareness about Maddie's case and hopefully bring some closure to this family who's been grieving this loss for over nine years. Like, I can't even imagine 
what that is like to I don't even want to think about that it's just gonna make me even more upset than I already am like I genuinely like I have been I've been interested in this case since the moment that I heard about it and I I'm still actively every time I pass by the big billboard sign that says her name Madison Scott I want to help her family I want to help bring closure to this I want to be able to tell them that they'll be able to find peace and find Maddie um yeah so they've um it's been set as a flagship event in the effort to keep awareness fresh in the eyes of the public also there is a series of documentaries um including um an episode of 48 hours almost exclusively devoted to Maddie as well as some other um missing and um murdered um women most um aboriginal women and indigenous women of the north um but yeah the documentary um film was produced by a scottish director stephen f scowler i think that's his how you pronounce it um yeah there's video blogs there's a crime stoppers video about the maddie scott disappearance um there's just there's a whole boatload of information and i'm just kind of hoping that even if only one person listens to this podcast or one person knows anything, and I mean anything at all, that can help this family, I urge you to go onto their website. Let them know. Call them. I want to help them have Maddie back home again. I I genuinely hurt for this family every time I read anything about this. Like, I'm constantly looking to see if anything has happened, if there's any updates to the case, anything that can, you know, really help figure out what happened. Because not a lot of people seem to know what happened or just don't want to come forth. And that's where we're going to get into the, um, the theories of that people have, you know, come up with or, you know, just things that they think could have been um what happened to her so um numerous theories exist as to what happened to her and um judging from her personality described by her friends and family and how she lived with her parents and often and often checked in is highly unlikely that she ran away she loved her family she loved her friends she did not like i i seriously doubt that she had run away i do not believe it. I do not know her personally, but just judging from what I've read from um about her, what her family has said, her mom, her dad, her siblings, her friends, they don't believe that there is any possibility that Madison would have run away. And since there was also no evidence that would co- that would cause her to leave the campsite on her own, such as a flat tire, police consider that it's highly unlikely that she left on her own or um left at her own will um animal attack has also been considered and numerous people have even reported seeing a large cougar in the area soon after her disappearance however the animal attack theory has been contested because of the lack of remains or a sign of a struggle you know if you were getting attacked by a freaking mountain lion or a bear i'm pretty sure most people would probably put up a fight and there probably would be things ripped, there would be things torn, there would be track marks, there would be blood, there would be bone, there would be clothing, there would be something, but there's absolutely nothing. There's no signs of remains, there's no signs of a struggle, nothing. Um, many people also suggested that she may be in the lake, however, um, this theory has been proven highly unlikely as well, just because of the team of professional divers had explored the lake and found absolutely nothing they also had cadaver dogs they searched the perimeter of the lake and these dogs are very well trained like they can pick up a scent like there's no tomorrow like if there is even the faintest scent of human remains or blood they will find it they train these dogs very well and these divers have you know spent years and years doing this so they they did not find anything which was really concerning and 
the lake is not really that big. It's only about 128 acres again, and it's barely 22 feet deep, and it's reasonably clear, so it's not very hard to search. So the whole lake theory is a bit of a, a bit of a miss. I, again, highly doubt that that is what happened. And um, we'll talk about now how um, the RCMP believe that foul foul play is involved in the disappearance of Maddie. Um, the RCMP also said that there was no sign of a struggle again, which is if you were being attacked by a person or an animal, there would be a sign of struggle from either of those things. And there was none. Um, it was also reported that like, apart from the clothes, which she was wearing, the only two items missing with her were her cell phone and a large bundle of keys, including the key to her Ford on a giant lanyard. Um, it's not known exactly, again, how she left, though. Um, a man by the name of Rick Betty from Vanderhoof Search and Rescue said that the um, RCMP, um, a lot of people assisting the search have came to the conclusion conclusion that she must have left via vehicle because there was no evidence to indicate that she had left by foot. But obviously because there were so many people attending this party and there's people that even weren't attending the party just kind of drive around in that area. So there could be tire tracks from like a million different cars. And unless you knew what kind of car she was in when she left, there's almost like no way to determine really what happened to her. So, um... Yeah, they they had no evidence that she left by foot. And um, again, no struggle, nothing. It was weird that the only thing she took were her phone and her keys. And I don't, to the RCME, this kind of implies that Maddie was either convinced to go or forced to go by somebody. And they don't know who that somebody is. Um, but there was a guy that I was mentioning earlier. Um, so Dawn, her mom, mentioned that there was a guy that Maddie did like for some time who was at the party. Again, he wasn't interested and in that they just wanted to be friends. And apparently it wasn't public knowledge how much effort was put into vest- investigating this man. Because again, like I could not find a name. Like they, um, they probably have his name, but just have not released that information. And I mean... Um, I don't know if they're planning on releasing any information at all soon about this case, you know. But um, there was that other guy that um, was uh, interested in Maddie, kind of did a bit of a, like a kind of, I don't want to say a tantrum, but like he was, he was upset that um, he had liked Maddie and um, Maddie didn't really like him because she had liked this other gentleman. And, um... He apparently would have more difficulty um, taking Maddie without a struggle than the man who Maddie was interested in. So, you know, leaves me to believe that he was probably, you know, not not as fit, not fit enough to be able to, you know, forcibly drag a 20-year-old woman into her car or into his car. Um, I, there's people who have even pointed towards Jody as having some sort of involvement in her disappearance and since Jordy was supposed to spend the night with Maddie it's you know only natural to suspect Jordy however Jordy took numerous polygraph tests and again polygraph tests in Canada are not always admissible and cannot always be used as evidence because you know there's many different factors that lead into you know um how a polygraph test actually comes out, you know, like people with anxiety disorders and stuff like that, like, you know, their heart rate's not always, you know, it's kind of, it's it's kind of like a roller coaster, you know, I, and which I can attest to because I have the same issue that, you know, my heartbeat just kind of, you know, gets a little bit fast sometimes. And, you know, so that's nothing really, nothing to actually like put up a red flag to be, hey, I think this person might have something to do with her disappearance. And, um, Yeah, so she took all these polygraph tests, and since Jordy left the party with her new boyfriend at the time, she would have had to find a way to make it back to the campsite without being noticed or conspired with another person to have taken Maddie. Um, Jordy had left with her boyfriend, um, Tyler, don't know his last name, um, 
It's unlikely that Jordy had a hand to play. However, it's not yet public knowledge of how much effort was put into investigating Jordy's boyfriend, Tyler. So, um, another rumor even suggested that, um, oh my goodness, I can't even pronounce this name. It says Fribjohn Bjornsson, um, have also somehow been involved in Maddie's disappearance. The rumor started that after Jordy Bulk was interviewed on 48 Hours, having said that Maddie and Fribjohn were involved and that he was bad news and the rumor suggests that Maddie's disappearance and um Fribjorn's death are related and um yeah so we'll get into a little bit about Fribjorn Bronson actually if I can even get into it actually there's not really a whole lot of information on this guy other than he was a little bit of a weirdo you know I've heard rumors that you know he was into gang life he you know was into drugs which is why some people were like oh you know he's bad news and it's like kind of weird but um a fribion was um had died he was killed and i've heard some stories i can't find a whole lot of information on him i'm sure that if i do then i'll definitely add that in a little bit later to this um episode but um for now um this guy Fribion played on the same recreational softball team for a while however some effort was made up by the police um to investigate him and his potential relation to Maddie's disappearance and police and the victim's families don't believe there's any significant links between the two cases because um Bjornsson was um murdered back in 2012 so a year after Maddie had disappeared in um Again, I am horrible with pronouncing things. Um, Nak Adzi, I think it's um, it's a First Nations um, indigenous name. I, I'm so sorry for mispronouncing it. Um, the other theory is that um, it had been proposed that maybe, you know, it could have been a stranger. I mean, it's nothing really shocking. I mean, there's so many cases of people, you know being murdered either by a stranger or somebody they know and it's never really one more than the other but um yeah they um had proposed that maybe it was a stranger who could have you know attended the party or noticed Maddie was the only one there and you know decided to you know make their move um considering the remoteness of Hogsback Lake and the timing of her disappearance this theory is less likely than if the abductor was, you know, at the party, even if they came back later. Um, Jordy did not report that um, there were people who had arrived later in the party that she did not know, according to the FBI. It's kind of crazy. I didn't even know that they had the FBI involved in this. But um, according to them, um, stranger abductions involving women are mostly motivated by sexual assault. And there are also most likely to use um, the form of a firearm as their weapon. And um, since Natty um, was allowed to take her keys and cell phone with her, it's not likely that she was taken at gunpoint. Because, you know, like, you're not gonna, nobody who's, you know, holding somebody up at gunpoint is gonna be like, okay, like, I'll shoot you, but, like, after I grab your cell phone, after you grab your keys, like, no, it's either, like, you come with me now and things just get left behind, so I don't know if that was Maddie's way of kind of leaving a clue as, you know, like, I took some things with me, so you'll know that, like, you know, maybe something happened to me and I'll leave the rest behind, if that even makes sense. It's just a weird theory that I've come up with to the kind of, like, you know, like, hey, obviously she knew something was wrong because she left valuable things and only took some of them. Um, but yeah, so uh, she was allowed to take her keys and her cell phones, so people didn't really think that, like, it was, you know, she left willingly. And um, yes, there's a guy named uh, Israel Keyes, um, has been proposed as having a role in her disappearance. However, um, Key's M.O. usually included theft from his victims. So, you know, if you're gonna, if this dude was gonna, like, take some things, he'd probably take everything and not just pick and choose. Like, like her camera and her purse, for instance. Like, you know, most people who are robbing people, you know, they go after valuables and money. So why would you only take 
a cell phone and car keys and leave her purse, her wallet, her camera, and everything else there. Like, you would take all of that, like, that's just what I'm assuming a criminal would do. I mean, I'm not one. But, um, yeah, so nothing was stolen from her campsite, um, and multiple items left behind, um, she had expensive motorbike equipment, um, liquor, and, you know, contrary to Key's M.O. of stealing his victim's shit, he, um, Hogsback Lake is like a straight 33-hour drive from Anchorage, Alaska, which is where Keys had lived, and, uh, in a different country, you know, Alaska is a part of the States, um, making travel quite inconvenient for Israel, but however, a few days after Maddie's disappearance on June 2nd, 2011, Keyes was known to have flown from Alaska to Chicago, rented a car, and drove almost a thousand miles to Vermont with the intent of committing murder. And even without a specific victim in mind, Keyes ended up committing double homicide of Bill and Lorraine Courier, which I will do a podcast about again at a later day. Um, their bodies have not been found, and Keyes was known to be an opportunist. So, you know, choosing the victims that um, happened to be in a location um, chosen by Keyes in advance, choosing some victims by how unlikely they would be linked to him, and um, still choosing other victims based upon how easy it seemed their bodies would be able to carry. And um, Keyes said on tape, I would let my victims come to me in some remote location. Key's last known victim was Samantha Cohen. Um, she was taken at gunpoint from behind a store counter at a coffee shop in Anchorage where Keys lived back in March 2012. And this is contrary to his claim that he um, would let his victims come to him in a remote area. Like, I don't think behind a corner store or a coffee shop would, you know, be considered a remote location where, you know, nobody's going to find you. Nobody's going to find the person. And it's just mind-blowing. The other theory here is um, the uh, Highway of Tears. Um, some have suggested that Maddie went missing as part of the Highway of Tears cases, which is, again, another case that I will get into because it's another one that I feel really strongly about and just really want to talk about. I've always been interested in it. And, um, yeah, so uh, for unknown reasons the family has fought hard to keep her name off the list of the people that have gone missing or have been found murdered on along the highway of tears um at least two disappearances along that highway um had similar circumstances and you know the woman disappeared had items of value that were left behind which you know kind of cancels out the idea of it being an armed robbery or anything like that and um these two women were um bonnie marie joseph and Anita Florence Thorne. Joseph's wallet was found in an uncashed check near Lake Fraser. Um, Joseph was last seen hitchhiking outside of Vanderhoof, and uh, Thorne's purse was left in her car unlocked. Her cell phone and keys were among the things that went missing with her. Um, Anita Thorne went missing on in Prince George, um, and her car was discovered near the Shelley turnoff outside of Prince George. Um, Thorne was also described as someone who would give the shirt off her back. And it's it's so heartbreaking to hear these kinds of things. It's like, I know, you know, oh, good things always happen to the, like, or bad things always happen to the good people and stuff like that. But it's like, that's really the case in this. It's like, I, it's breaks my heart to know that, like, the people that are, you know, the most generous, kind, loving individuals end up, you know being attacked and murdered or go disappearing like this like it's like a giant cosmic what the fuck like if you're a good person like why the hell would something like this happen to you why would it happen to anyone but like more so to like people who you know just genuine good-hearted down-to-earth people it just doesn't make any sense to me and it just riles me up as much as it makes me want to cry just thinking about the families that have been having to deal with this day after day after day and getting nowhere with it um yeah so she was a really nice person and just so loving and she would do anything for anyone in need and exactly how maddie was described by her friends and family maddie would do anything 
if it meant helping another person. She was such a sweet soul and she would help in any possible way. She was so loving, so generous. Um, it's also been suggested that Maddie's disappearance was a result of some misadventure likely away from Hogsback Lake campsite. Although an accident is a theory about her disappearance is in the public domain is in the police have not come up with that theory. They have not investigated that theory because they see it's very unlikely considering the circumstances. And yeah, so there was drinking and fighting at the party, obviously. Um, most freaking parties with younger people usually happen. So it's nothing really alarming, I guess. Well, it's kind of sad and whatnot. But yeah, it's nothing really crazy or interesting. Um... But yeah, they they uh, really don't have a credible, credible report in the public domain that said Maddie had disappeared due to an accident. Um, so yeah, I just, it's scary. I don't know what happened to her. I want to know what happened to her and more so her family and her friends want to know what happened to her. So again, if you... If you live in the north, you live in the interior around Vanderhoof, that kind of thing. If you know anybody who knows anything about what happened, anybody who had any evidence about whatever happened to her, anything at all, I I urge you to come forward, call Crime Stoppers, call the RCMP, go on the Find Maddie.ca um, website, tell her parents they just want they want peace they want her home it's just i really really hope that we are able to find maddie i it's just another another soul like almost you know vanished off the face of the earth and it's so heartbreaking but um yeah that that is the um, Madison Scott case. I sincerely, you know, hope somebody does come forward and that they are able to find justice for her. But um, yeah, anyway, thank you so much for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed um, my podcast. And I have a few more that are on the way as well. Um, just finishing up some research and some editing. But yeah, I really hope you enjoyed my podcast and listening to my very raspy voice. <laughs> All right. Until next time, have a good night.